Are you sure you searched everywhere? Yep, yep. Uh, everywhere. We all did. And what about the town? The forests? The mountains? Yeah, we searched mountains, uh, forests, and houses, and, uh, let me see, uh, and all the cradles. Cradles? Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> Every cradle. Cradle! Did you hear that, my pet? All these years, they've been looking for a baby. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Welcome to Is It Really, the podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon. I'm Zach. And I'm Mitch. Did you like that? Well, check out the live action remake. We welcome you to Is It Really, the podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. The name that I have is Brandon. I am Zachary. And I was named Mitchell. And tonight we're looking for love and asking, where's the passion for Disney's live action? We'll be discussing Disney's live action remakes by examining Maleficent. Uh, Mitch, why don't you give us the synopsis for Maleficent? Ready to go. Remember that scary villain Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty? Remember how she was the best character in that movie? Did you ever wonder how she became evil? No? Well, too bad because Disney's going to tell you that story through boring writing and horrifying CGI. Prepare to be unimpressed for two hours. Well, I think it's pretty obvious what we think of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we dive in to Maleficent, Disney has a large roster of live action remakes at this point. Mm. What is your favorite? It's tricky for me because Pete's Dragon isn't based on a movie that's 100% animated. I really like that Peach Dragon doesn't really take the source material and do the exact same thing. I'm a big David Lowry fan, the director of the movie, so I like that he just kind of takes the emotion that's kind of, I don't want to say underlying in Peach Dragon because it's not really dealt with, but he kind of takes a couple of the elements in Peach Dragon and chooses to focus on those. This sounds like more of that brooding Spike Jonesy kind of where the wild things are uh, kids movies. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm not bringing my children in the theater to see to see that movie. Can I say none of them, Brandon? I think you can say whatever you want. Thank you. The answer is none of them. Uh, but I guess Jungle Book, because, yeah, who cares? Bill Murray's in it. And I really do think with the exception of Zack Smith Michaels, no one cares about the original version of Jungle Book. It's a forgotten gem. Uh, Whereas like Beauty and the Beast and Lion King, I have feelings. I have a lot of them. Yeah. Don't touch them. So, yeah, Jungle Book, whatever. I want to take you guys back to 1994. Uh Oh, one years old. The original live action remake of the Jungle Book. Sorry, what is that? First things first, I have a question. How far back? Like, where are we drawing the line? Because 94, we saw the Jungle Book. 96, we saw 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah. Sure. 2010, we saw that first Alice in Wonderland. You know, a lot of people think 
of Maleficent as the first one, which was 2014. Yeah. But there were really three before that. It just wasn't. They hadn't started releasing them every year and really getting us into like the. Right. You know, Maleficent was the beginning of woke Disney. So that is that is a turning point. Uh, But but yeah, I agreed. They're all fair game, especially anything with Glenn Close in it. So, yeah. Okay. well, I think I think for me, all that being said, I think for me still the the 2016 Jungle Books, my favorite, I think really the formula that they deploy here is the. Same story, different take on it. Sure, you know, sure. Like, I feel like if we look at if we look at kind of the different formulas used, some people have opted for a completely different story, like like Maleficent. We are going way back. We're creating new material. Jungle Book, you're getting generally the same story. It's just like you're getting a few different viewpoints and a little bit different take on that story. And it seems to work for them. Right. The ones who have stuck generally close to that mold have done better than some of the other ones. Sure. Mm. The other one that comes to mind is like Cinderella, which I know wasn't amazing, but it did better than some of the other ones. And that is that sticks closer to the same story, different take. See, Cinderella for me leans into you don't see this as often now, but a bunch of people who all of a sudden we're just talking trash about the original based on like what Mitch was saying, because this one seems more is seemingly more in tune with um, our modern day kind of like cultures and standards. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. The our OG Disney villains and Disney characters a lot of times are so much more interesting to me because they're given permission, at least to not have to be. Uh, wrapped up nicely. Here's here's the other thing I want to say about the Disney rebakes. They're like overnight oats to me. And overnight oats are fine. You know, you I can, already feel you. You know what I mean? I like they're it. fine. Yeah, I already but let's do. not call it better than oatmeal. Right. They're fine. They look good on Instagram, but it's not anything different. You're just putting right. milk in it. And milk is a big CGI budget. I know we've already dunked a little bit on them, but is there any of them that you think are just flat out the worst out of this collection? I think the the power ballad speechless from Aladdin as a crime against humanity. So if <laughs> if we can just throw Aladdin into the mix. I don't disagree. Here's my question. When I left Beauty and the Beast, I was furious. I was just really mad. I said, you took a, a really nice, lovely, bright, colorful movie and you made it dreary and bland and boring and sad. It hurt me. But when I left Lion King, I felt nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that was coming. so <laughs> emptiness. That's all I felt. Emptiness. You stared into the void of Lion King and the void stared back at you. <laughs> Doesn't it make you laugh when you think like, I'm a grown man and I got really upset after I watched Beauty and the Beast. What's what's going on in my own heart that made that happen? <laughs> Quite a glittering assemblage, King Stephen. Royalty, nobility, the gentry, and... Oh, how quaint. Even the rabble. Well, well. <laughs> what a glittering assemblage, King Stephen. Royalty, 
Nobility, the gentry, and... <laughs> How quaint. Even the rebel. I really felt quite distressed at not receiving an invitation. You weren't wanted. Not what? Oh. oh dear, what an awkward situation. I must say, I really felt quite distressed at not receiving an invitation. You're not welcome here. <laughs> oh dear, what an awkward situation. Listen well, all of you. The princess shall indeed grow in grace and beauty. Beloved by all who know her. But... Before the sun sets on her 16th birthday, she will prick her finger on the spindle of the spinning wheel and fall into a sleep like death! That was a side-by-side -side comparison of the OG and the new. So when I started watching this, I really felt strong, like Lord of the Ring influences yes. in, oh, yeah. in this movie. Like someone was watching Lord of the Rings as they were writing down the script for this one. The mm. ants are there. They're in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that battle scene felt a little Lion the Witch in the wardrobe-y, like with all of the... You know, yes. different animals and whatnot. This is just diet fantasy. It's generic <laughs> fantasy stuff that you recognize. Exactly. They they distilled or at least they distilled down what they thought was the essence of those two movies and then pooped it out in a Disney <laughs> package. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Father Brandon. So her casting that spell right there, the... Oh, gosh. What Kate Blanchett character in when she's like, you would have a queen like when she goes crazy on Frodo. No. That scene <laughs> totally reminds me of, you mean of, Galadriel. The, of, of Galadriel <laughs> being tempted by the ring from, yeah. from Frodo. Yeah. And just a lot of influences done poorly. Yeah. There's no subtlety in her performance. I like her performance, actually. When she smiles... I wondered sure. if there was some CG going on because it is such a I don't know how makeup works, to be fair, but it was impressive. Just the amount of teeth you see. Right. <laughs> She's toothy. She's yeah. very toothy. That's a compliment from from my perspective. <laughs> sure. Right off the bat, set the Lord of the Rings stuff aside. Angelina Jolie compared to animated Maleficent is just flat. Yes. Just completely flat. And just really lifeless comparatively, like side by side, just so much more of a dynamic performance yeah. from the from the animated version. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Brandon. I think you're shortchanging Jolie and her Joan Crawford impression, that little British grand celebration for a baby. How wonderful. <laughs> Whenever your voice goes up two octaves, I know you're lying to me. <laughs> I know you're lying. You didn't I... like drag queen Maleficent? <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, it was pretty. It was pretty great in my book. So oh. after after watching um, Maleficent, I went back and watched the original Sleeping Beauty. And uh, there was this one line from Maleficent in the original when she talks about her henchmen and she says, oh, they're a disgrace to the forces of evil. <laughs> and I was like, it's it's like a little melodramatic, but in the best way. 
Yes. It's like very fun and a little silly, but also she has some genuinely scary moments. And Angelina Jolie is just louder and slower. <laughs> I feel like that's your criticism of anyone you don't uh, like in these movies. Loud and slow. I don't care for it. Well, she says all of her lines like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like, weird, it right? Out. She's talking normally, and then as soon as she gets her wings ripped off, she turns British all like very quickly. It turned British. Very. Did you ooh. notice that? Yeah, yes. like the accent turned up a million percent. Can we talk about the wings ripped off scene? Yeah. I thanks. I hate it. I don't like yeah. it. It bothered me because it was the genuinely. Who is your audience for this movie? Because. The Stefan guy drugs her. We see the empty potion bottle. And then in the next scene, he cuts off her wings and she wakes up and screams. And, you know, it was a clear metaphor for like him violating her in some sense. And I was just like, who are you doing this for? Yeah. What about the children who are supposed to be watching the movie with me? Who's on their side? Yeah, I. I, let's not tiptoe around it. It's a rape metaphor. Yeah, right? I, he, I was yeah. he physically mutilates her. It makes me uncomfortable. I didn't want Maleficent to get revenge after watching that scene. I wanted to just like crawl up in a ball and cry because it it is moving. I give I give the film credit, I guess, that it is jarring to watch. But I don't care for rape scenes being used to move plot or character development. It's not a device that should be used that way in fiction, I don't think. In a children's movie. Yeah, I almost forgot. Wasn't wasn't feeling very much like a children's movie no. to me mm-hmm. in some of these scenes. It just wasn't very fun. Like No. This is the then, worst movie we've had to watch for this podcast by far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like at least that the movie is giving some themes. It's doing something different, right? Like it's very much about betrayal because it's not like Stefan is just a guy who wants the power. It's her best friend, right? They shared a a first kiss together, that true love's kiss, right? right? So they, it is a very intimate connection they had that he betrays uh, and brings home that bloody trophy. So there's, there's something to be said for how they tell that story. I just, I just don't like the content, I guess. I feel like mm. the themes are there, but the characters aren't. Oh, yeah. What is Stefan's character? He has a funny voice <laughs> and wants uh, to please the king. His character is misogyny and imperialism. Um, yeah. But that's it. There's nothing to, gl- to glob on to. And, and again, you know, just by comparison, the original Maleficent, she's very dramatic. She's very regal. Everything is kind of dialed up to 11, but then she also has a lot of quiet moments. She's very delightfully evil. Like she loves being this villainous character. Angelina Jolie is. She's not doing anything in this movie. That's what frustrates me. After the big curse scene, which I actually really liked, because when I rewatched it, I I forgot how bad it is. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is actually good. But then for the rest of the next hour, it's just Angelina Jolie posing in the forest. She kind of becomes Mm -hmm. a voyeur in her own life. She just stands there in the sidelines watching things. And I'm thinking, why isn't she like, I don't know, teaching Aurora to do stuff like about magic or teaching her (laughs) to grow? I don't buy that relationship at all that they care that he she loves her. She just stands there or sits on a by a bush like five feet to her left the whole movie. 
she does nothing. And for some reason, Aurora likes her and we don't ever see why they have no reason why they should get along at all. Nah, yeah. It honestly is like, oh, what would be interesting? Well, what if Maleficent really loved Aurora? What if she was this delightfully evil villain who had a vendetta against Aurora and needed to be stopped? Just do Scarface with Maleficent for kids. Yes, thank you. Let's let's do Scarface for kids. That was great. Uh, <laughs> they they neuter Maleficent in this movie, right? In the original, it's like summoning the powers of hell kind of villain. Uh, yeah. And they literally turn her into like a relatable, I don't like kids, you know, kind of kind of figure. I just know Disney released shirts that said Beastie after this movie came out. You know, Angelina Jolie's character to me is every line of dialogue she has should be on like a snarky coffee mug. Not yeah. a villain, you know, uh, not right. a villain at this point. Maleficent expands on the lore of Sleeping Beauty. Is this movie doomed from the synopsis or did this film just drop the ball? So I did a little bit of research and originally, surprise, surprise, Tim Burton, after the success of (laughs) Alice in Wonderland, was supposed to direct this movie. Yeah. And then he, you know, that was that's painfully obvious. And eventually he dropped out. But guys, this movie went through 15 rewrites. Wow. 15, which I would have thought this was the first draft, but no, 15 rewrites. Well, you almost think it's going to be worse after 15, right? Whose script is it at that point? I guess, but I think my thing is with 15 rewrites, I would guess that they would have over-explained everything rather than, you know, the the fairies don't get along with the humans because cool fight scenes oh i disagree i feel like the first 20 minutes is the movie over explaining to us a bunch of uh needless information but they don't tell you why yeah i mean i guess yeah they just kind of narrate that there's a problem Um, right it's it's them for 20 minutes going and there was a problem and the problem was problematic and you spelled problem p-r-o-b-l-e-m they don't say why it's just 20 minutes of the same thing over and over again can we talk about the cgi for a second (laughs) yes yes please i think so this was 2014 prior to 2014 we had plenty of master classes in cgi on the big screen plenty I'm just wondering, Disney's not one to skimp on, you know, on the extras, on the icing. You know what I'm saying? Like, they usually put plenty of money into animation and special effects. What? What? (laughs) What happened? What? It's not it's not a money problem. It's a lack of vision problem. It's a visual style problem. uh, You said it. Tim Burton. Right. Uh, This the guy who directed Rob something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he was he was Tim Burton's guy. All right. Yeah. And Tim okay. bowed out for him. Uh, so it's that gross visual style we've seen in all those other. It's like the movie starts and you're like swooping across these farms and rainbows and castles and elves. Uh, and it all just feels like a, a desktop uh, like screensaver. None of it feels yeah. real or lived in. We well, yeah. like the the fairies in the beginning and some of the creatures and the battle scene. It was just atrocious yeah and 
I don't know. I just wonder how we can jump so far backwards <laughs> after we've advanced in this field. It just feels like something was going wrong. Dante's Inferno are populated by the fairies that we got. They were hellish, <laughs> like Dolores Umbridge, her face superimposed yes. on a tiny little body. That's that's the stuff of nightmares, folks. That's Lovecraftian. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And the question is, where's the passion? And when I watch even the Lion King isn't that good. When I kind of see the the detail and effort and I hear John Favreau talk and when I watch Jungle Book and I see that there's some level of care and love put into those movies, albeit a small amount. I don't see that anywhere with Maleficent. I don't know who cared about this movie that was making it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. You don't see care and love? No, I don't. All right. Well, there's the puppets from Labyrinth. They're in this movie as the subjects. That's Karen Love. That's a that's a loving nod, right? Sure. Yeah. Kyle Mooney as the king. I think that's a loving, <laughs> you know, kind of casting as the, as the king as King Stefan. That's that's, that's Kyle, not Kyle Mooney. Mooney. From, I know. But isn't it, though? I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> it's Charlito Copley. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's Kyle Mooney. Uh, it's it's slow and boring. Uh uh, much like Ang Lee's Hulk, uh, it's too too <laughs> much up classic. its own up its own butt. Uh, doesn't mean it was made without love. Just means it was too into itself. Maybe, maybe, hmm. maybe. We were talking about the ugly CGI after rewatching the original Sleeping Beauty. That's just a beautiful, beautiful looking movie. Yeah, you see those those painted backgrounds and how bright and colorful the characters are, and the fairies especially, like. They're probably the three best developed characters in that movie. And it's just so fun and light and colorful in the scary moments. You know, like you were saying, Mitch, that the, all the fires of hell and everything are legitimately scary. And this movie is just one boring shade of gray. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, just having a hard time finding something to sink my teeth into. Any other remakes that you th that maybe actually dropped the ball and had potential, but didn't, you know, stick the landing. Just for Disney, you mean specifically like Disney remakes? Well, I, so like everything I know about uh, the new Lion King, I've I know from Zach right. and that one. It's got the cast to me, to me looked like it had potential. Yeah. 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 It yeah, it should have worked in some capacity, but it's just the exact same thing as the animated one. I think that's why I give Maleficent credit, though, because it at least is a different movie. I wrote that down in my notes. I don't like this, but, you know, at least it's not the exact same thing as Sleeping Beauty. It's enough of its own thing that I can dismiss it. So we give it credit for trying something then trying something new. Yeah. Yeah. Like the quality, I would say, of every Disney remake is not much better to me than Ed Norton's The Hulk, the Incredible Hulk or whatever. Right. <laughs> With that CGI mess. Right. And I'm like, yeah. that's, I guess, better than Ang Lee's Hulk. But at least Ang Lee's Hulk tried to do something. So I give it I give that kind of movie more credit. I honestly do. I'm not going to see it. But I'm very interested to know what they do with this Maleficent sequel. You could always, you know, buy a ticket and find out for yourself. No, no I, I, I will not. No, I don't think it could be any worse, though. Right. Like it, it has to be it has to be better than this than the first one. 
It has to be better than the first one. I really don't hate it that much. I think it's bad, but I don't know. I mean, I I feel like it's interesting in some ways. Like we're getting a fairy tale from the perspective of a trauma victim, which isn't like a selling point for watching it with my kids. But it's it's I don't know. There's something to that, I guess. I guess. But I, I think my my issue with the movie is that it's pretentious and boring. That's what kind of what what yeah. grinds my gears is that yeah. it's a movie that thinks that it's super smart and ooh look we're playing with the lore, but it's it's just so boring. The movie's not interesting. There like this movie is a great movie to watch while you're folding your laundry. It's it's just like a cold, heartless, soulless movie <laughs> that thinks Good that heavens. it's Lord of the yeah. Rings. <laughs> lathering it on (laughs) now we're just now we're just dunking on it with the exception of the jungle book none of these live action remakes have been critical darlings but they all make pretty good income billions so so why do we keep going to see these movies Aladdin made a billion dollars. You know, I saw something the other day on Twitter that said, if you lived in Christopher Columbus's time and you made $10,000 a day, current dollars, and you lived all the years until now, you would not have a billion dollars. That's how much money a billion dollars is. Aladdin got that much money. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah. If that doesn't make you sick to your stomach, I don't know what does, right? $10,000 a day. I talked to a couple parents about this and, you know, I'm not saying if you take your kids to see the live action versions, you're you're a bad person. I to some extent, I get it. The live action version, you've seen the animated one. So, you know what you're taking your kid to see in the theater. So, you know, there's like a level of safety. There's a level of, well, this is familiar. There's a level of, okay, I'm cool taking my kid to see this. So but at the same time, you could just watch the original at home. I hesitate to bring this up when I already lampooned woke Disney. I don't want to sound privileged, but like maybe is this my privilege when I'm saying like it's like feeding your child McDonald's like every you know what I mean? Like I just like you Mm. can do it and it's an act of necessity. And for some, that's all you got. But there are so many better things you could give your developing child's brain than Will Smith doing the genie rap. I used to see movies every Friday morning. We would we were kind we kind of did this little Friday movie club thing. And there were a lot of Friday mornings when it was hard to find something to watch. I don't know if you know this, but before like um, noon, you get the matinee pricing. So it's like five bucks. Anyway, that's that's in Dayton. So it was like, okay, we would see some bad stuff because it was only five bucks. Yeah, I do think there are people who maybe keep a tradition with their kids or maybe it's like the grandparents and they're taking their kid. Maybe they take them to see movies once a month or something. I'm sure there are months when there is nothing to see and something like the new Disney live action might be a better option than, you know, take your pick. Trolls too. I would say there, there are, there are scenarios that a movie like this would fit into. That's all. <laughs> it just makes us all a little bit dumber, I feel like, or a little bit lazier or just and, and lazier, lazier right. and just, yeah, like cattle 
just like nom nom numbing in whatever they give us. Um, you could say the same thing, though, for the MCU. But those are good. I do feel that way a little bit, but at least they're better movies. Right. Right, Zach. And they're they're consenting adults who are allowed to make their own choices. OK, right. You know? That's fine. That's fine. I'm just I'm not saying these movie like, yeah, I'm just saying there are things that are worse. Well, I feel like also an, another reason, aside from, you know, just parents, because it's, it's not just parents taking their kids to see this movie. These That's movies right. like admittedly, I'm going to see these movies. And unfortunately, there is a level I don't want to say of hate watching, but, you know, there's a level of yeah. maybe this will be the good one. I think that's yes. part of it. Yes. Curiosity. Curiosity yes. gets butts in seats. I didn't go see Dumbo and that has a cast that I love. Everyone could see that wasn't going to be good. That movie was a failure. So I, you know, I wonder if the jig is up for these Disney live action movies. But then I, I think about the new Mulan where, dang, yeah. that trailer looks really good. But again, am I just saying to myself, well, maybe this will be the good one. Mm. And I think that's the same thing with that happened with Lion King, like the trailer. Yeah, this looks pretty good. Right. But there's something different about the Mulan trailer. Sure, sure. I'm into it. I hope. Yeah. I think it does actually look good. I think my my thing is when people come home from seeing these movies and they were like, it was awesome. Yeah. Loved it. (laughs) I think that's where my I think that's where my problem is. Yeah. I'm fine if. You guys want to see it. And if you're like, yeah, like it was not a terrible way to spend two hours and 30, bu- 30 bucks. But <laughs> but like, but don't come home and say it was amazing. You know, like just know why you're at the theater. Just right. What bothers me is I saw a couple people after Lion King. They said, I'm just happy that it wasn't too different from the original. That drove uh-huh. me crazy. I was like, uh-huh. just then just watch the original. Then yeah. Just watch that then. And, you know, I feel, again, with Maleficent, we have the animated version of Sleeping Beauty, and we have the live-action version of Maleficent. If you like Maleficent, you can watch that. We also have the original Sleeping Beauty. With Lion King, I would have loved it if they had just gone off the wall, use that cast, do a totally different story or maybe punch up this part or that part and do something different because we're always going to have the animated Lion King to watch. You don't need to go back and do the exact same thing again. The original is good enough. I find myself just asking over and over, do we need it? What you just said, we don't need it, right? And I do try to remind myself that I am not the audience that the purpose of these movies is not to make good art, but to uh, reinforce the brand of Disney to the next generation of consumers. Mm. That's what it is, right? That's the point. Yeah. But keeping that in mind, I think Disney typically does a pretty good job of cashing in while turning out something most of the time that is at least palatable. That's mm-hmm. at least OK. Beauty and the Beast was actually a corrective movie for them where they'd received criticism for a whole bunch of movies with unattractive women who were evil and strong or princesses who needed to be saved. So Which they made a girl talking about the original. Okay. I'm saying yeah, in the yeah, original, yeah. even okay. the even the old one. The point of the movie and in some respects was here's a, a woman who reads as your lead character. Right. Right. And they made a corrective decision 
and they also made a great movie. So it's possible to be done. I guess my frustration with these remakes they're doing now is they are not trying to make good art anymore. I don't think that is the case, right? Like they're they're not modifying the fairy tale for the time. They're just cashing in or are just like trying to justify its own existence, like trying to kind of respond to Internet culture. And it just makes me sad. It makes me sad. I think it's it's bad. It's not good for us. and, And we need to expect more. They all inspired me You know me Our remake's the same But not familiar, no plea Well, I know it's true You might just be dead artistically But it's you we know You'll give us your dough You'll love it and show it on Rotten Tomatoes, we're Disney. But it's you, we know you'll give us your dough. You'll love it and show it on Rotten Tomatoes. are you? (laughs) Don't you remember? I'm Disney. We met once upon a dream. Well, I see a little resemblance, but you look worse. (laughs) But you like us. We want to give you what you want. What if we don't know what we want? Aren't you supposed to be the dreamers? Aren't you meant to innovate? (laughs) Well, we've got to have money. Oh, they're hopeless. A disgrace to the forces of evil. Well, that's going to do it for our episode on Maleficent and the Disney live-action remake. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear your opinion on our episode or any other movie-related topic. So if you haven't already, hop on over to our Facebook page and join the conversation. We can be found at the Is It Really Podcast. And don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're up to it, please give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. Join us next week as we continue the Halloween season with our episode on The Shining. We'll see you then. Man, things yeah. got punchy there at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted to add a little intrigue, uh, yeah. and you can do- you can dial it back in the edit. You don't have to keep a uh, you know me calling people bad parents for eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>